What is up? And welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I am Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lahorn. This week, it's all about dicks. The dicks, musical. Baby. Dicks, baby. <laughs> uh, Ethan is actually joined this week by John from Life's But a Song podcast to talk about A24's very first musical. A pair of business rivals discover that they're identical twins and decide to swap places in an attempt to trick their divorced parents to get back together. Just to note, this podcast was recorded and produced during the 2023 SAG AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the actors that are currently on strike, the movies we are covering here would not exist. As always, spoilers are ahead for Dick's The Musical. Um, we're going to talk for I don't know, probably 20 or 25 minutes first. We've got um, some substantial housekeeping that we. We have thoughts on, we need to talk about, we need to discuss. I need to yeah. figure out um, what's, what's going on in the world of A24, because there's a lot that is happening. Um, and then after our conversation, Ben, you're right, I am joined by John to talk about Dick's the Musical. You haven't seen this movie yet. Um, it's, it's not playing in your city, unfortunately. By the time when this episode comes out, this movie will not be nationwide, actually, which is pretty crazy. Mm. It doesn't go nationwide until October 20th. Um, so I, I will just give a little tease. I highly recommend going to see this movie and it is probably the hardest I've laughed in a movie in my life. Also, maybe the most disturbed I've ever been. Okay. So excellent combination of, of real true a 24 core here with Dick's the musicals. Um, I had a great time and I'm really excited for when you watch it, whenever you see it, we'll have to reconvene. Once, once Salt Lake finally gets it, I even looked just now as we were getting ready and still there's no, not even on the 20th, it's not saying we don't ah, have it yet. So man. who knows it, but that is an amazing review. The most disturbing yet funny <laughs> thing you've seen in a long time. That's, what else could you ask for? Absolutely just unhinged business. Um, really, really cool. And I, I, I will just say Megan the Stallion for Best Supporting Actress at, at the Oscars this year. Let's okay. get her to perform. Let's get her in front of the cameras. Let's make it happen because she she deserves it. So like sublime it. in the movie. Uh, okay, so I mentioned some housekeeping. Let's start with some trailers. Mm -hmm. We have two new trailers that we need to talk about and then some kind of more um, expansive uh, A24 brand type talk discussion of, of what's going on with the brand as a whole. So yeah. um, do you want to start with the Iron Claw trailer or do you want to start with the Curse trailer? Because we got to actual trailer for the curse this time not just like a weird 15 second thing let's go with the curse man like i yeah. i mean that came out was it is today that it came today. out yeah and thursday we're recording on thursday the 12th yeah. um and it came out today yeah it's so it looks so good you know i mean <laughs> the the fact that they were like this is such an unhinged trailer it looks absurd and then suddenly we get the title card of like Academy Award winner Emma Stone. It's like, oh yeah, I forget that she's like, <laughs> yeah. she's legit. And here she is with Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie's wig, just like holding her own. She looks so, so good. good. I can't wait for this. I mean, it looks, you know, kind of like this, uh, um, forget their name from HGTV, the Magnolia, whatever, you know, looks like yeah. their version of, uh, re rebuilding homes and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I'm excited. That whole scene of, him giving that kid that hundred bucks and then like <laughs> taking it back. It's like, and, and I don't know, Nathan Fielder, I'm just, I'm here for him. I love Nathan for you. I think that's mm -hmm. possibly the best TV show that's come out in the last 10 years. Like it's probably my favorite at least. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it's so funny. So I'm excited to see him 
in a, a more like narrative project like this. Uh, obviously, we're both big fans of the Safties here. And I don't know if you know this, Emma Stone, she was in La La Land, and that's a pretty good movie from what I've heard. So Little flick, um, just a, a little guy. Tiny little flick. So, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. Like, all this stuff lining up just to be something great. It comes out November 10th, I believe. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're doing one episode at a time or what the release schedule is going to be. I'm excited for us to cover it, but this looks really good. I agree with you. I think it looks really good. What I think is really fascinating is that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, Tonight we are recording, and uh, on October 12th is actually the uh, premiere of the first three episodes, I believe, mm. of The Curse at the New York Film Festival. So nice. um, probably right now people are watching The Curse, and, and we'll get some initial reactions um, You know, probably in the next couple of days. Um, I think what intrigued me the most about the trailer is it seems like this is going to go to some really dark weird maybe like pretty unhinged places um with with kind of this um narrative of like people are finally gonna discover what you're really like and like they're gonna get to you know kind of peel the curtain back and like the whole you know the wizard of oz situation here um i'm really fascinated to see what benny safty's role is going to be in this whole show because He's like a cameraman and um he's just giving looks and he looks phenomenal yeah. and it does it just looks hilarious. I think Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder are gonna have a really, really good energy together. I think they're gonna feed off of each other very well. Something more narrative is going to be really uh cool to see Nathan Fielder in. And j- just from the trailer, I-, I think it looks really good. It 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 mm-hmm. looks um like something special, something unique. And like you said, we don't know if we're getting like one episode a week or not. Um, that'll kind of determine how we cover it here on the on the pod. Of course, we are definitely talking about this show it comes yeah. out November tenth on Showtime. Uh, so yeah, I I think it's really interesting. And the trailer to me just just told me enough about like, oh, this. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. Like, I just, I want to know more. I want to watch an episode. I want to see how all this shakes out because it really just sets the stage for like what the curse is. We don't know really what that does or what that means or, or how things go. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. This is the, the winter of Emma Stone. I mean, she's got poor things coming out, oh, yeah. which people are, are touting that she's going to win an Academy Award for. So I think that's really good for her. And I think it's great for A24. It's a win for all of us. I'm, I'm yeah. super excited. Everybody wins. Uh, okay. The next trailer we got is The Iron Claw. We kind of, I, I feel like we just talked about this over the last couple of weeks of like, we don't have a trailer yet. We don't know when that movie's coming out. We don't know what's going on. Um, I believe it's December 20th um, in theaters, if I remember correctly, um, or at least pretty close to Somewhere that date. Around, I don't know if it was the 22nd, but it's like right around Christmas. Yeah. Really close to that date. Uh, Ben, I want to know what you thought of this trailer. Cause I think we have differing, um, maybe not differing opinions, but differing perspectives. I know, I know nothing about the Von Ericks and wrestling. And I, I, that's just like not my world. And you're big into wrestling. You know, the story of the Von Ericks. So what did this, did this trailer, um, make you excited for the movie? Yes. It made me very excited for this movie. I think they're going to do that story justice. Um, if anyone wants like a little, you know, 40 minute episode on kind of the history of the family. I know vice a little while ago did like the, 
it's called like the dark side of wrestling. They did a series and you can find it on YouTube. It's really good. They did one on the Von Eriks, um, which was super interesting. So I would recommend that, uh, kind of, if you want to know a little bit of the history about it without going into the movie, um, you know, or with going into the movie, kind of understanding what's going to happen, but the trailer itself, Zach Efron looks fucking yoked, man. Like yeah, he he's jacked. Jacked to the man. <laughs> and they kind of do the, some sort of facial something for him where he's got like a really strong. Is it? I don't know if they messed with his jawline or what they did. He looks like just a little yeah. different, but you can tell it's him. Yeah. Um, we got our dude, the bear, Jeremy Allen White. Like he looks good in it too. Um, Harris Dickinson is in this movie. I just want to give a shout to my boy Harris Dickinson. Looks like he just really fits in with this tribe here. Yeah, I think this is going to be awesome. And as you know people who just recently watched fight club uh what's his name from mindhunter playing the dad in there you know we saw him in fight club so that oh, was yeah, yeah. kind of cool to see him there his name is robert Paulson. i forget i forget the actor's name but he's so good <laughs> not meatloaf but the guy who starts the chant of his name is robert <laughs> Paulson. Uh, can you, oh, I, can't, I can't imagine meatloaf playing the dad um <laughs> But yeah, I'm super excited about this. I think this looks really, really interesting and really well done. And obviously, like, we're just both big proponents of A24 stuff. So I I think they're going to handle it well. And I think it's going to be a really interesting one. Everything that I've seen so far, because I know nothing about this story and I'm kind of trying to stay in the dark, I think um, it'll be a really cool social experiment for me to go into this not knowing anything about where the story is headed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, Twitter. Instagram, Reddit. Um, I've been going to all of these comment sections and quote tweets and whatever. Um, and I, I just, I went to the, the, the A24 Reddit the other day and obviously this trailer was posted and I just wanted to see the first comment. Like what, what, a, what are people kind of agreeing on, on what's being said? And the top comment is like, people who know nothing about the Valon Eriks are not ready for how crazy this story is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh fuck, like, let's go. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I think this trailer really kicks ass. Two incredible needle drops. Uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, one of them, is just an excellent needle drop, Uh, especially in a trailer. From my perspective, it gives me just enough information to be invested in this story of, like, these kids probably got really fucked up or, like, something tragic happened with the family or the dad or, like, something goes incredibly wrong somewhere along the line. Uh, And I think that tone is displayed really well through the trailer. I'm excited for Jeremy Allen White to like be in a different setting that's like not a kitchen. Um, even though he's sublime in the bear, like this casting is really, really good. Yeah. And it's awesome to see all these set photos that we've seen for the past several months of like of of Zach Efron looking incredibly weird are now coming <laughs> to fruition. And he does look weird, but he looks really good. Like it, it totally matches um the energy of the movie. So I'm really excited. I'd be really interested to see if slash what this can do um, maybe to edge out some like award stuff or like maybe make yeah. some, make some categories a little more dicey or a little more interesting, possibly a best supporting actor for Jeremy Allen white or, or something to that effect. Uh, I think something interesting could happen there for sure. So yeah, I'm excited for the iron claw. Now we have like a, a release date. We know it's coming. Uh, and it is during, you know, that holiday span where some, mm-hmm. some really big titles are coming out. Um, I think it'll, it'll probably be going up against the color purple, which is a, a massive Oscars play, uh, on Christmas day. So yeah, I, I think this trailer looks really great and I'm really excited for it and I can't wait to have it all revealed to me what, what the crazy <laughs> stuff is about the yeah. Eric's. I can't wait. 
it's going to be a lot, but I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. I want to talk about A24 and their business. So some news has recently come out over the last couple of days where A24 as a, as a business is having some struggles. They're, they're maybe doing some, some pivots, um, and changing things up a little bit. This is a topic we've kind of touched on and talked about on our Patreon before where, um, you know, we've kind of floated out the idea of like, um, every kind of, every movie that we cover on the Patreon, we're like, would this fit in the E24 catalog? That's something mm-hmm. we ask ourselves. And um, I know there were specific movies where we're like, this could start a franchise for them. This could be anime for them. This could could really open the door. And um, I think it's really fitting we're talking about this along with my conversation about Dick's the Musical, the very first musical for the brand. Um, and so this information, I'll kind of just share it and we can, we can discuss. Um, according to Deadline, um, so A24 is, or sorry, excuse me, excuse me, according to the rap, A24 is pivoting to create some quote action and big IP projects, end quote, after losing millions on various films, including losing $30 million on Bo is Afraid. The studio still plans to invest in the same type of content they currently develop. This is, um, a really kind of um eye-opening moment i think for a lot of people when it comes to a24 um that a lot of their projects don't make money uh they might be incredibly successful via word of mouth or kind of being the core of the culture for a little bit but um not all of them are, are box office hits what do you think of this news is this a good i think in general uh like is is this a good pivot for a24 I really don't know. Um, I'm curious how this will affect their brand because that's, Mm -hmm. you know, part of the draw to them is that they aren't doing big IP or big, you know, franchise things. Right. Um, So I'm curious, like maybe financially it'll make sense for them. We've heard a lot of directors, you know, talking about this kind of stuff where it's like the the only way to keep theaters alive is these big must-see spectacles in in the movies because no one necessarily is going to these art house or, whatever more indie films so maybe a 2424 just see writing on the wall it's like well let's get involved in that stuff then mm-hmm. and bring some money in so i don't know I'm, I'm curious to see again like what this does if it finishes their brand or if it comes out being like oh that was actually a really smart move that they finally did that because now we have this a24 franchise that's going to make some money i mean you know blumhouse did a version of that with horror you know when mm-hmm. they got like paranormal activity that was the thing that really set off for them i think that cost like two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars to make it made like 190 million dollars or something Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy so like i I don't know if a24 is going to start looking for that kind of stuff that they can like they can franchise out if something hits um or if you know they're going to do with existing stuff are we getting marcel the shell too you know i have no idea like what they're going to be doing here is it out of existing the whale to the whale forever (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what what are we doing here? Uh it'll be kind of interesting to see. Um I'm I'm curious because I feel like their track record is pretty solid at least like success-wise yeah. as far as recognition in the film community. I think they're a rather respected brand. So I'm I know they're not going to want to tarnish that and I feel like a lot of people went into this decision making, but it is going to be such a pivot from what we know them for. Yeah, I think 
there's obviously a lot of things that go into this and I have a lot of thoughts to kind of share um, initially. And I think an article came out maybe six or nine months ago about um, a venture capitalist uh, company that paid, um, gosh, I, I can't remember. I think it was like $200 million for less than 10% of, of a stake in A24 or something to that effect, oh, wow. um, which in turn valued A24 at like $2 billion. Two billion yeah. yeah, $2.5 billion or something like that. So I think part of this article states that this decision for A24 as a brand comes with the heat and the pressure of that valuation to kind of keep the money flowing. Um, yeah. And so we've, we've just recently seen this um, with Letterboxd as well. They kind of got acquired by like a venture capitalist company. We haven't seen any changes yet, but the outlook is not great, to be honest, with, with when these things happen. Um, they always inevitably change like the core of whatever business they get involved with. When it comes to the franchise thing, it's important to note, and we, we were talking about it over the last couple of weeks, A24 was in the bidding for the Halloween TV rights for the franchise, right? And thinking about making a television show or, or whatever it may be, because they're doing that with Friday the 13th. I think they already have something yeah. kind of on, on the slate for that. Um, just today, news was released from Deadline that A24 lost out on the bidding rights to the Halloween franchise um, against Miramax. So that's a pretty big blow for that news to be released. Um, at the same time, news is released about A24 pivoting to IP. I think that's a, that's a really tough uh, brand kind of outlook initially. Um, my, my thoughts are that we're kind of already seeing this with A24 a little bit um, when it comes to Ty West and his pseudo franchise, right, yeah. within the brand. And we're kind of already getting like a tour franchises like Ari Aster and Robert Eggers. Like they, these are the guys that a 24 has raised. Like they gave them the money to, to make these movies. And I know they're not actually part of like a cinematic universe or an IP or, or a franchise, but they keep coming. A 24 can keep pulling from that. Well of like, okay, we know this guy can make a movie. We know this person knows how to, how to play with our brand in the right way. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's really interesting to me that we're getting Maxine, um, I think, next year. And yeah. that would really be like the third in a trilogy, really the first like coherent trilogy that this um, brand has owned or been a part of. As far as I know, they have been successful films, uh, all of them. They haven't cost a lot of money and they've done pretty well at the box office and obviously have deemed sequels. Um, so... I think it does shed a lot of light on the fact, like I said, that not everything makes a lot of money at the box office, um, regardless of what people really think. But was afraid lost a ton of money, um, which I feel like we kind of knew was going to happen. I feel like A24 knew it was a risk. Um, do you think they actually were trying to like make that pay out? Or I, I guess the, the, the message that I was kind of under the impression was of like, they're just doing it for the brand. They're just doing it as a, it is literally a $30 million brand play. Right. And, and I didn't expect them to expect to make money, but maybe they did. I I'm don't know. I'm curious. I, I kind of lean on the side that they thought they were going to get the money back because they're giving it to a director who's coming off of hereditary Midsommar and mm -hmm. those both made money. And this is an actor's first performance since winning his best actor Oscar yeah. for Joker. Right. So I think there was logic behind them signing up for that. 
and being like, okay, we'll probably get our money back with these two components mixed in here. Um, plus Parker Posey, you know, that's worth $5 million right there. So, of course. <laughs> um, but then obviously, yeah, it just didn't turn out that way for a myriad of reasons. You know, people like myself thought we were getting the next uh-huh. horror thing and then we didn't. Um, and the runtime, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So I feel the massive like massive penis at the end of it in the basement. I mean, that's pretty crucial information uh, that people yeah. should know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. So I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Was it a brand play or did they actually think they're going to get their money back? I could see both sides of it, but I mean, the, the parts were there to mm-hmm. have some success, but again, sometimes you think you're going to, you know, get all your money back with, you know, or sometimes it's just like, again, paranormal activity or it's like, let's just throw a couple hundred thousand at this yeah, and then you make $200 million or you make the flash. You know what I mean? Like, like there's just, there's, there's yeah, no way to know yeah. like what's going to return money. So I, right. I don't know. I, it's curious to, to be in the boardroom as that all happens, which also just quickly, I just want to say, it's kind of funny to talk about these valuations because I don't know about you, but me, I only know all this shit because of Shark Tank. Like, okay, cool. They're asking for 10%. You multiply that by 10. Like, yeah. that's what they value their company at. And I'm just trying to picture Ari Aster like, hey, Sharks, I have a movie I want to pitch to you. <laughs> like, the daughter gets decapitated. The wife sets her husband on fire. And then she crawls on the wall chasing her son. Mm. Like, I would love for you to invest in this movie. <laughs> like, there's just so many pitches that I'm sure are just completely absurd. But um, yeah. getting Joaquin in your movie isn't too crazy of a of a draw, I think. So I, I, I don't know. Um, yes. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I want to rattle off some um, information that I think is important to know, like kind of in context to this about like what they've made at the box office so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of X and Pearl, I just looked it up. So X cost uh, had a budget of $1 million and, and these budgets are sans marketing budget. So we don't know if they spent another million on marketing or what the case may be. Um, but it had a budget of 1 million it returned 15.1 at the box office. Yeah. Uh, Pearl, similarly shot at the same time, had a budget of also a million dollars, returned $10 million at the box office. So okay. pretty good returns on those movies. Um, this, and I'll circle back to this question after I'm done kind of listing these. Horror in A24, they have always been two peas in a pod. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if, if A24 as, as a, um, production company has maybe spread their wings a little bit too far and got a little outside of their grasp and maybe need to come back to that core of like, uh, we know how to make a good horror movie. We know how to buy a good horror movie. We know how to find them. We know how to market them. We know that A24 is synonymous with horror and we can make money at the box office. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if we kind of go back home to that ideal. Um, So here's what they've done so far this year at the box office. I'm going to go through each movie really fast. Um, when you finish saving the world, this is a movie out of Sundance in 2022. Did uh, just under 200k at the box office. Didn't really go to many theaters. Um, Close, which was nominated for best international feature uh, film at the 2023 Oscars, uh, just uh, over five million dollars at the box office. Sharper, a movie with Julianne Moore, Sebastian Stan, John Lithgow. Uh, honestly, a really stacked cast. Straight to Apple TV Plus. No box office dollars there. Uh, Pie got a re-release. The Darren Aronofsky film. 3.2 million showing up a Kelly Reichert film again, like a very a 24 situation of we foster Kelly Reichert, make whatever you want to make Uh, $1.2 million. The box office, Bo's afraid $35 million budget without marketing. Um, 
probably their most expensive movie they've ever made. Uh, I, I, yeah. would, I would guess so. Uh, does 11 and a half at the box office, 11 and a half million. Pretty abysmal, to, to be quite honest. Uh, you Hurt My Feelings, a Nicole Hall of Center film. Another kind of pseudo Kelly Reichert situation. Um, we get this really um, smart person that's been making movies for a while that knows how to tell really emotional stories, uh, but only draws $5.7 million box office. Past Lives. I thought this was really interesting to me. $12 million budget. A directorial, really? de- a directorial debut, which A24 fosters, and they're very yeah. good at, and we all know that. $16 million at the box office. Not overly successful, which is kind of contrary to like the way people talk about that film. They're like, it's one of the best of the year. Like This is going to win, and it's going to get these awards and all these things. And, and I'm sure A24 is, is happy with the word-of-mouth success. But when it yeah. comes to the box office, it is lacking a little bit. Uh, Earth Mama, a, m- a movie we've covered here, um, did not go to box office. I think it went kind of straight to VOD. I, I didn't see any any money that that one made. The Deepest Breath, right to Netflix documentary, no box office dollars. Stephen Curry, underrated, right to Apple TV Plus, uh, zero dollars at box office. Talk to me again with this horror stamp. Out of Sundance, twenty twenty three, four and a half million dollar budget makes eighty eight point six million dollars at the box office. And unsubstantiated success yeah. when it comes to the A24 brand. Probably the best horror movie of the year so far, um, and I don't know if it'll be beat. Medusa Deluxe, another uh, straight streaming, zero box office dollars there. Stop Making Sense, the 4K re-release. Something really special, something a lot of people latched onto and was a, is a very core cultural moment. Uh, a $1.2 million budget. I don't know if that's for marketing, for the, for the restoration, what that might be, but it made $9 million. At the box office, that's that's pretty solid for a re-release. Obviously, Dick's the Musical is coming out on October 20th. We've got Priscilla, All Dirt Road's Taste of Salt, Dream Scenario, The Zone of Interest, and The Iron Claw. Those are kind of like the unreleased A24 films that we know of so far. Yeah. So, 2023 at the box office, not stellar for A24. Let's just be quite honest. Aside from yeah. Talk to Me, not very good. Do you think, circling back, is A24, do they need to stick with horror? Should they have bid more money for Halloween? Should they have put their cap and, and put their foot down and said, we need horror in our IP and franchise future because that is what we are good at? I don't know. I mean, it might not be a horrible idea because it is something that everyone knows A24 for, you yeah. know, is their horror stuff. So you know, maybe you invest in that, but we talked about some movies on here that like directorial debuts is another thing where it's like maybe past lives. Like I'm, I'm very curious where that $12 million went. Like, I mean, I love that movie. It's a beautiful movie, but like $12 million, that's, you know, if it's just all the travel, you know, back and forth, I have no, no idea, but um, maybe I feel like they kind of have, but maybe they adopt that Blumhouse thing where it's like, we'll give you $5 million and you can do whatever you want. You know, yeah. like that, and then like something's gonna hit eventually. Um, but yeah, like a Jesse Eisenberg directorial debut, not even pulling in a million dollars is kind of crazy. Not that he's like a huge draw, but like still pretty crazy to be it's honest. Kind of nuts, right? Yeah. That like, and maybe maybe some of the stuff is like the marketing that needs to uh, get better. That this was my next question to you, and I think we talk about this all the time on this show. the The rollouts, the marketing, and the release technique of these films is pretty incoherent 
even for us. Yeah. And we, we, we live and breathe A24 films. This is what we do every single week. We don't even know. I don't even know when you're going to get to see Dix the Musical. You don't even know. No. It, I, and there it might not so- even come out on the nationwide date. So is A24 doing something wrong? It, are they doing something that worked for everything everywhere all at once where they rolled it out across the country over six weeks and built word of mouth and won best picture and broke records at the Academy Awards? That worked for that. Does it still work now? Or, or is that something they need to move on from? Because obviously they're, they're hindering at the box office largely. I'm curious how they choose these things because I feel like with two movies that we've covered on here, Earth Mama and Medusa Deluxe, you and I both were just like, wait, what is this? Like, we had no idea that was coming at all. And then suddenly mm-hmm. it's like dropping this week. Like, hold on. <laughs> like, I haven't heard <laughs> anything about this. And now this is a movie that we need to cover. Um, and I- I'm curious who makes those decisions about what movies get that kind of a rollout. Obviously, Bo's Afraid got a lot of marketing. Like, there was a ton there. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised you heard my feelings even pulled in six, $6 million, six billion. Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> the first $6 <laughs> billion dollar movie ever. Nicole Hollis said, are you done it? Dreyfus <laughs> is like just pulling in that bank. Uh, but still $6 billion, $6 million uh, is quite a bit. I think for that movie, yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's so hit or miss here. I think talk to me at least half of that success is due to Raka Raka and their YouTube, yeah. you know, like they, they were established people before this came out. Like it's a debut, but it's a debut from a movie that people, they know who directed this. And so like, that's where the right. audience is coming from. If this wasn't, if they, if they didn't have that following, what kind of numbers is talk to me doing? I don't know. You know? Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think a 24 has built themselves a really um, substantial core group of, of fans of people that love the brand for the brand. They're, they're very good at, at, at marketing things uh, when they want to be. They're very good at creating merchandise when they want to be. Um, and, and that's uh, something that I think I'm, I'm sure that they pride themselves on. Obviously, and you know, you, you kind of mentioned at the top, this goes along with, with a, a big spinning wheel conversation that never really stops um, of, you know, theaters are, are really only going to survive through IP and franchises. Yeah. And, 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 and then you get the you hurt my feelings. Then you get the past lives um, to kind of plug the gaps here and there when you need to be. Obviously, Scorsese is talking about this kind of on the trail for Killers of the Flower Moon right now uh, and how this creates such a big riff in, in like the cinematic culture and what we should be pouring into. Um, and I think A24 is, is obviously caught at the crux of this big, big problem of how they have established themselves. And I don't think they would have established themselves to be at this point without doing what they've been doing, right? Without doing the auteur route, without doing the crazy fucked up twist route um, and, and establishing some themselves as the brand that they are. Um, but it is kind of an unfortunate and really harsh truth of the state of the box office, the state of movies, the state of movie culture that um, a brand like this cannot survive on horror alone. They cannot survive on small auteur yeah. director debuts alone. Um, so yeah, I'm really curious what they're going to do for an IP, for a franchise. Halloween is out of the books right now, as far as we know, as far as, as is being reported. What, what do you think that A24 can do for an IP or for a franchise? Do you think they can build ground up 
or do you think they have to adopt something and 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 revamp and rehash? What do you think is a smart move for A24 in this situation? I'm curious. I mean, there's a lot of comic book fatigue, whatever out there, which I totally understand, but that's kind of the first thing I thought about when it comes to franchises and action. It's like, do you take a smaller comic book and try to adapt it? Do you, do you mm. take something like spawn, you know, who's not falling under DC oh, sure. or Marvel and you know, you, you you can make good dark horror movies. You guys have done that. Do you put that, you know, or do Sandman, something like that. Um, you know, I'd be kind of curious to see what they did there. Um, but I also know, yeah. I don't know exactly what it's called, but, I know Keanu Reeves like recently put out, he did a comic book, you know, it's like capitalize on some of this John Wick fame and bring him in and be like, cool. We'll give you, you know, we gave Ari Aster 30 million, like we'll give you 20. And then, you know, you hope that the Keanu Reeves like brings in that draw. Do you think that is what they should do? Should they establish a star? Should they establish a face of the future of a 24 in this situation that you're saying? Cause that sounds really enticing. If they can find the right person, the right star power, the right person that that cares about the brand and what the brand stands for, just very similar to the fact of of what Ari Aster preaches, of what the Daniels kind of preach on the road yeah. as they talk about A24 and and claim how um, you know, how great of a brand that they are, if they can find a famous person to do that, do you think that that maybe is the route? I think that could be. You know what? Throw the bag at Scorsese. Let's get Marty in here. Get him in. Get him Let's in. Let's see him making his first comic book movie at A24. That's what I want. Let's bring the face of cinema, the, the greatest living director of our entire lives. Let's get him in there. Wow. No, I mean, for real. Yeah, we need something. You know, Talk To Me Too is going to probably be the first like franchise thing. Talk To Me. Um, since they announced this, like you said, obviously we got the Maxine and that kind of like trilogy going. Uh, but this will, you know, be yeah. the next kind of like franchise thing. It's, it does. It's a, it's the kind of storytelling that like, there's no, there's no reason you can't make six of these. You know, we right. talked about right. this with Jamie, where it's just like, if the hands, the central figure here, then like, we can go back in time. We can go forward in time. It can be Do anything that we want it to be. Yeah. And maybe that's the first kind of like IP that they build within the company is something like that. I'm curious to see how they handle action because that's just not something we've really yeah. seen in any of their movies. So what are How they going to do here? Is it going to be more like the raid where it's a very well-crafted and choreographed kind of action, you know, um, or is it just going to be the expendables, you know, like there's yeah. different kinds out there. So what are, what are they going to go for? I'm kind of curious. It is interesting that they specifically call out action. I think that's really, mm-hmm. um, really fascinating. I don't know if you can sell a good new action film without a movie star. I think that's yeah. the move that is the movie star problem. And so I think A24 is best suited to build a horror franchise from the ground up. Like they're doing with Talk to Me, like they're doing with Ty West and his films. Uh I think the one big red flag that makes me incredibly nervous throughout this entire thing um that will inevitably pull A24 from their current way of working is if they find themselves in the action realm and the comic book realm, those VS, those VFX dollars and those VFX um, scenes are going to, in my opinion, very quickly degrade the quality of what A24 is known for. Talk yeah. to me, talk to me has VFX. It's incredibly practical, 
Hereditary has VFX. It looks incredibly practical. They know how to deploy when it's needed. And I think that's something special to this production company is that yeah. they, they, they don't um, over rely on, on what VFX can create for them. So that makes me really nervous when it comes to the horror or sorry, the, the action genre that they so specifically call out. So I think they have a really tall task ahead of them when it comes to kind of re-navigating where they want to go as a brand, what they're doing with IP, franchise, what they're going to hang their hat on. I think horror is the way to go. Make it original, make franchises, make horror IPs, even potentially start something up like Talk To Me that you buy out of Sundance, you in-house produce number two, you sell off the rights for number three. You you yeah. you make you turn and burn. You make that money and and you allow that franchise to to kind of be like, you know, highly likely like oh the first two were bangers because they were made by A twenty four and then they got sold off to whatever and they kind of yeah. took a dive the the other seven movies or whatever we end up seeing. But I think that that's good business sense for sure. Uh, my very last question to you is. Throughout these movies that we have releasing um, so far at the remainder of the year, so Dick's the Musical, Priscilla, All Dirt Road, Stace of Salt, Dream Scenario, The Zone of Interest, and The Iron Claw, out of those options, what do you think is going to make the most box office money and, and not be a financial failure for A24? My gut leads me towards Priscilla. Um, we're coming off of the year of Elvis Mm -hmm. with, you know, all of its Oscar nominations and all that kind of stuff. So it's got a little bit of that. We got Jacob Elordi playing Elvis, you know, euphoria. So the A24 hive can stay there. Yeah. And then yes, Sophia Coppola, who also, you know, been with A24 bling ring. Uh, she's a wonderful director, you know, with virgin suicides, lost in translation on the rocks, I think was also an A24 project. Yeah. Her. So um, I, I think she has an established fan base, which will show out for her. We're coming off the year of Elvis. Priscilla, I think, is going to be a really interesting story. There's been a lot of hype, you know, because, I mean, the lead actress won out of Venice, right? I believe, like, the best Yeah, best Kaylee actress, Spaney, so, yeah. yeah. So that that's my guess for what is going to be the most financially successful out of what we have left in 2023. I'm gonna I'm gonna zag on you, and I'm gonna Hell go yeah. with with dream scenario because yeah. the Nick Cage hive rises and they rise high. They yeah. rise tall and they rise fast, and um, they love Nick Cage. So I think in this situation, it played really well at Beyond Fest, from what I heard. It's playing it's playing really well at New York Film Festival. Um, audiences are enjoying it. It's it, I don't think it's anything that's like groundbreaking or anything really. Um, that's going to change genre of filmmaking or anything like that. But I think that that could garner a really close knit cult following very fast. Um, yeah. Kind of like I, what I mentioned with, with um, Dick's the musical, I think it's going to find a, a cult following that's really going to love it. And they're going to go see it four times in the theater. And I could see dream scenario kind of having that play out. Um, will it, make over $10 million? Probably not. Like, I just don't, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, and, and still, as far as I'm aware, we don't have like a hard, like nationwide dream scenario comes out on this day. Like we still don't know. And it, it comes out sometime in the next like five or six weeks. So yeah, it's tough. Like it's really, really tough thing. Cause the zone of interest is going to be a huge Academy play. You're talking Jonathan Glazer, um, you know, under the skin also with a 24. Yeah. Doing, Doing something that's 
incredibly important, important and incredibly uh, stylistic and visually haunting. Not a movie that people are going to want to shell out $16 or $18 (laughs) to go see again and again. Um, So that's tough. Even if it does get that Oscars buzz, that's like, it is not everything everywhere all at once where you can go see that four times and enjoy it every single time. So yeah, I think A24 is really in a pickle and they've really got a tough battle ahead of them. We'll definitely be talking about this more often. Um, I think having these candid conversations are really helpful and, and they're, they're really important to be honest about like what A24 is doing and, and how, what their future might look like. And instead of just kind of joining the A24 hive and being like, A24 rules, man. Yeah. 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 They make, they make cool stuff, obviously, but they also have to have their issues that, that are, are going to become more and more prevalent as time goes on. Uh, so yeah. Any closing thoughts on anything that we, we talked about here in, in our conversation, Ben? Just dresses for purple rain. Fuck That's you. It. I it. knew I, I left the door open. <laughs> That's all I got. You left me with bated breath and I literally was telling myself in my mind, don't say it, don't He's say it, don't do say it. it. He's going to do it. You did no. it. You did we'll it. see what all happens. Right. The new one is after Scorsese. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, cool. Well, that was really fun. Uh, A24 housekeeping. The episode's going to pivot. Um, you're getting out of here. John is joining me for a conversation about Dick's the Musical. Like I said, one of the funniest, most unsettling films I have ever seen in my entire life. So uh, stick around for that conversation. Um, the movie is out on October 20th, but I, I think you should listen to the conversation now and prepare yourself for Dick's. And we have some, some very helpful viewing suggestions that, okay. that might enhance your time at the movie theater and and that that could be really beneficial so um ben wonderful conversation uh but now i'm going to talk to john about dicks the musical joining me to talk about dicks the musical i can't, i'm sorry every time that i say dicks the musical i just want to like stop and pause after I say dicks it's just like so hilarious to me um is john from life's but a song podcast how's it going john welcome to the pod Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Unfortunately, Ben isn't here. He's my yeah. connection. Um, it's going well. I, this movie, I, I can't. <laughs> this movie is so good. It's so, so good. Um, you're right. So Ben is not here with us. Uh, John, you are filling the spot for Ben this week. Um, unfortunately, Ben doesn't know when he's going to see this movie. So Ben lives in Salt Lake City. They haven't gotten uh, any early screenings or anything quite yet. Uh, John, are you, you're in, in New York. Is that correct? That's how you see this? I am this? in New York. Yes. It's, okay. It's playing, I think exclusively at AMC's here. Okay. Good to so, know. Which is, which is interesting. Cause then there's some art house film, like theaters that are not playing it. So yeah. super interesting rollout, uh, as per usual from a 24. So, um, I'm in Portland lucky enough to have seen, a screening actually last night, uh, which is a couple weeks before it goes nationwide. So Dick's the musical is going to go nationwide on October 20th. So um, if you're listening to this podcast before then, I have stop. two, yeah, I have two <laughs> warnings for you. Number one, stop. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for you. And we are definitely as per usual with this show, getting into spoilers. Um, we are going to be talking about the madness that is, the final 15 minutes of this movie that I just couldn't see coming, even if I tried my hardest to guess what was going to happen. Um, and the second warning is a, uh, a language warning. So if you've seen this movie, you know, there are certain words that may be triggering triggering to some people that are um, 
generally not used in discourse um, on a regular basis. So, um, of course, we will be, you know, swearing like we normally do on the show, but there might be some words thrown in there that are a little more uncomfortable than usual. Um, they do appear in Dick's The Musical. So if you've seen the movie, you, you know, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, go check out this movie on October 20th. Come back and listen to the show then. Um, John, let's let's start big picture here. Um, you said you loved Dick's The Musical. Um, give me give me some more. Give me your thoughts. Uh, what did you think of the movie? OK, so I saw it with some friends. I don't, okay. Did you see it with friends or did you see it by yourself? I saw it by myself, so this will be interesting. Okay, so I saw it with some friends, and afterwards, I looked at them, and I was just like, what the fuck did you just watch? <laughs> right. Because, yeah. <laughs> because from the, and I've been telling people that, that I've been ta- at work talking about it, you know, there's some people at work who have seen it, some who haven't. I'm just like, from the get, they welcome you into this wacky world you're yes. getting into. and like. If you watch the trailers, you kind of get an understanding as to what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But like, but but not man. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, so I saw it by myself. Um, and so I, I went to this like kind of a little early screening. The only way that people knew about this was through some like weird random website. It was shown at a very small art house theater. Um, and there really only ended up being like 25 people there. Like there, there wasn't really that many people. So it was kind of a weird dynamic to like go see this very obtuse, crude, in your face movie musical um, with like not a full house, like not other people's energy around you. Right. So like I was kind of left to my own devices of like whether some jokes landed or not or what I thought was personally funny or not. Um, I have one interesting thing to share is that when the, when the movie wrapped, um, there was a group of four people that kind of walked out of the theater before me. And, um, the guy that was like kind of hosting this screening that partners with a 24 and what have you, um, thanked them for coming and, and asked them what they thought of the film. And they just immediately, they were just like, Nope, that, that wasn't for us. And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry, but thanks for coming. And I was like, Wow. Okay. So this landed differently for different people. Um, and I, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I don't know the last, the last time that I've laughed this hard in a movie theater. Do oh my you God. Recall? Oh my God. There was, I know, I don't remember the last time I laughed. Mm-hmm. So it was, I, I think I peed a little when I <laughs> Just watched it. Um, and then when Okay, so we gave the spoiler alert. Yeah, you're good we, to go. It, okay, so when Megan Mullally flings her flying vagina oh, out boy. at the screen, oh boy, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, because that's a similar. running that's a running gag throughout the whole thing that her vagina fell off and then it grew eyes, yep. then all of a sudden it flies and it talks and it turns into a face hugger from Alien, <laughs> and you're exactly. like what's going on yeah and i saw it sober so okay yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back and not be sober when i watch it i that that is actually one of the first thoughts that i had so i had one beer i got a free beer which was actually really cool um and not enough no right so it wasn't quite enough but it it was just like just enough to be like oh cool this is probably funnier than i would have thought it was if like i just got off of a stressful day at work and like ran to go catch this movie 
Um, but I immediately proceeded to call my wife once I got in the car and I was like, Hey, just finished the movie. Like I'm coming home. Um, she wanted to know how it was. And I was like, I loved it. But my first thought is like, I'd love to be pretty drunk or high, like going to see this movie. I think it quite literally might be the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. If that were the case. I I mean, if people are now this far in and have seen the movie, (laughs) I'm going to recommend you watch it sober once. Yeah. Good recommendation. So you can take it in, take it everything and make this your clip for, Mm. for Instagram or whatever. Be like, see it sober once the first Mm -hmm. time at preferably because then you know what you're in store for, you know, how much or whatever your vice of choice is to uh-huh. do when you go see it again. <laughs> right. Because we're going to give this movie all the money. Like these two guys need all the money. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Just incredible that they were even able to make a movie like this, quite frankly. Um, so a- 86 minutes long directed by Larry Charles, who also directed Borat, which I, I think is an, just an incredible like little flex for this movie to be like from the director of Borat. It's like, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, this guy also helped produce Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld, which I thought was pretty sweet. Um, and it's kind of being billed as like a parent trap meets like, so, like something question mark. Like I don't quite know. The, the a, adult and absurd parent yes. trap. Yes. I feel like that's what it would be because these two guys who look nothing alike not even close (laughs) are twins and like that's the gag and then they wear gross wigs that are is also another joke like this movie although it's absurd and over the top it's there's a lot of like quick lines Mm -hmm. like uh like both megan mullally and nathan lane have like i don't remember you your hair looks so like a shitty wig or something like that. Yeah. Like whatever the line is. And like, that's a funny line outside of this. Yeah. And then yeah. like, like I said, you have the flying vagina. That's a face hugger or the sewer boys, which reminds me, I have to feed mine later. Thank you oh, for reminding me. Smart call. Don't let them get out. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Did you know, did you notice the little ankle bracelets? The little yes. like, <laughs> like the, the house monitors, like the house arrest on the, <gasps> Zero voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. A friend of mine saw the movie and there was a talk back with oh. the writers whose names I'm forgetting and Nathan Lane. Oh, fantastic. And, and one of the one of the points that he talked to told me about that I'm now gonna tell your audience Perfect. is the reason why the Sewer Boys are in diapers is because they did have dicks. And they thought it was gross. So they covered it up. <laughs> I could see that being the case. <laughs> and apparently the those puppets were like a lot of the budget. Like sure. a lot of money went to them. And I, I, my response to when he told me that was like, they blink. So yes, yeah. a lot of the money went there. <laughs> so interesting. Like this, this movie definitely has that, that very campy vibe. Like it's, it's kind of like, it's like, I mean, Nathan Lane's in it, right? So a lot of people are comparing it to like the producers or something along those lines of like, it's set on sound stages essentially. Um, and like very- There's just one sound stage. That's incredible. And it's all connected. And like, so uh, 
my best friend who I went with ran into other friends that she has. And we were talking afterwards. And one of them was like, if uh, he saw it three times and I saw it on Monday. Wow. So, yeah. And he was like, if you notice that, like, uh, in the backgrounds of certain shots, specifically when they go into their apartment buildings. Uh-huh. If you look in the backgrounds, like at the whatever's covering, it's like, uh, don't look behind here, moving company or something like that. Oh, so, so like, and like, uh, every, uh, what was the X24, everything, yes. e- everything, everyone <laughs> comes at once or something like that. Yes. Like there's, there's shit everywhere. Yeah. And like, you have to like, it's all the, in the details. Mm-hmm. I, I think that really does work for the movie. Um, of course. So yeah, it's um, X24 presents everyone everywhere comes at once, which yes. um, my audience just immensely cackled at. That was just oh, so, a huge win of a joke. And the thing is though, like you see these two guys walking out of the theater, one's holding a popcorn and another yes. one's holding the soda. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? And then you're like, Oh, oh of course it. these two, these two, heterosexual and i gotta say the two gay actors are very brave yes like heterosexuals incredibly brave so brave (laughs) the bravest people i know um yeah i i think this movie works on on a on a lot of fronts um i I really did enjoy it it's definitely in my opinion like the funniest movie that a24 has ever put out of course it's their very first musical so i think that's really exciting from that perspective ben and i talk on the show all the time about like what what's next for a 24 right like when are they going to venture into ip or when are they going to venture into um you know a musical for example or anime or or something that's different for them as a company and i think this is a really good first step so i'm incredibly curious to see how it does at the box office because it is i will go every day if i can (laughs) yeah i i i love that i think there are a lot of people that are going to do that like i think it's going to very immediately have a a very hearty cult following behind it. Um, and there's going to be a very um, clear marker of like people who love this movie or people that can't stand this movie. And, and I think that's a big benefit to the film itself. Well, so Ethan, I have a question for you now. Yeah. How versed are you in musical theater? Um, not not versed pretty much. I mean, I, I like musicals as movies um, like La La Land okay. or Grease or Singing in the Rain, of course, but uh, musical theater, it, I've, I've never seen one. I'm, that's so not my did world. You, did you understand, though, a lot of the lead-in to the songs was like a mm-hmm. parody of musical theater in a way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very easy to pick up on that vibe. Where you say, where they, you say your line and then you look up into the distance <laughs> while the <laughs> intro of the song is happening. Or we fade away, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and like, that, I think, I think at least here in New York with like the theater community here mm-hmm. will find a lot of that humor in it. And yeah. there's a lot of theater humor in it. Um, but like, I think for people like you who are a cinephile, like you can appreciate all of it and like the bizarre. I w- I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if there's a video, a full video of them at UCB doing this because you see it at the end of the movie. You do, you do, yeah. And I, 
I believe they only play the parents yeah, in the so UCB skit. It looked like they, the, at least from what we see in the credits, right? It's like just the mom and the dad for like 10 seconds or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, pro tip, I guess, if you haven't seen the movie yet, like stick around in the credits. They make it pretty obvious that they're playing outtakes as as it goes. Um, and I think definitely one of the funnier outtakes is the fact that at, at one point they're laying in bed and I think one of them laughs and he's like, what are you laughing at? And he's like, I can't believe we're making this movie, um, which I think is a total encapsulation of the energy of the film. They're just like, I can't fucking uh-huh. believe we're doing this. And like, and then, they just do it. Uh, and then there are moments throughout the movie that so Nathan Lane and Megan Mullally are pretty big names. Like, yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah. you have Nathan Lane, who's done a lot. Uh, Megan Mullally, who's known very well for playing Karen Walker on Will and Grace. And by the way, she looks the same. Yes, Like, it's been insane. 20 something years <laughs> and she looks the same. But like the two of them are pretty established actors that everyone, a lot of people know their names. And Throughout the movie, I was like, they have to be just questioning everything. Every especially, decision. <laughs> especially when Nathan Lane spits the chewed ham at oh, the boy. Stewart boys. Oh, boy. I was hoping we'd get here. Um, I know we're going to get into true cinema in a second, and that's how we're going to walk through this movie, and we'll kind of go scene by scene. Um, but uh, I'll, look, I'll share my hand early here. That scene in particular, when he spits the ham, he he pulls a bag of ham out of the ass of the statue in his apartment um, to Enough. start, which is incredible. The and the, and you, get the, yes, you get the pop sound effect. And then he proceeds to spit this ham in his face and um, or in the face of the sewer boys. And at the same time, uh, one of the one of the sons is there and he is just vehemently shouting no at the top of his lungs. That is literally the scene where I th- I I started like crying from laughter, and I I thought to myself, I I don't think I've ever ever seen ever seen anything this funny in my life, and I don't even know how they came up with that. I you know they probably did all the drugs, and I mean <laughs> that's, this, fair. that's fair. There's there's a movie that I've talked about on my podcast a lot, and I tell people like I recommend people to watch, where it's an '80s movie, and I bill it as like it's. Um, made by cocaine like everyone is doing snow angels in their own mountain of cocaine and so i feel like this one there has to be drugs there has to be just honestly there has to be yeah there's no way you create it without um i, w- I have one more question for you before we do true cinema and we'll start kind of talking about this the scenes and going through it a little more detail um you mentioned nathan lane megan Mullally. um we get bone yang plays god um which oh. just Every single second of screen time from Bone Yang, I, I think, is quite funny. He's a star. Yes. Like, I was, I was literally saying this to coworkers right before coming on the call, being like, he needs to, he needs to be a movie star. Yes. I mean, I know he's a star already with a lot of people, but like, blow his name up. You know, we yeah. need him. He needs his own series. He needs his own, you know, movies. He needs everything. I love that. Yeah, I would love that for him. Um, I wanted your take on. Megan the Stallion. So Megan the Stallion plays essentially Trevor and Craig's um, boss at their uh, Vroomba company. They don't sell um, the actual Vroomba. They just sell the parts, sell the, parts. The, the little brushes and the little uh, metal pieces and all of those things, which I think is an incredible like ongoing gag of, of the movie. Um, she has a song in this, uh, like a, a song and dance number that just to be quite frank, like, 
just aroused a lot of things in me from a lot of different perspectives. And I thought and it was it's in incredible. the trailer too. Yeah. First off, like um the moment so the in the trailer, the moment when she's walking them. Yes, in, with the leash. I was like, oh <laughs> like like first of all. First of all, <laughs> Megan the Stallion is the last person I would expect to be an actress mm-hmm. or actor or mm-hmm. something. And I'm gonna just say that. And um <laughs> she she went full ham, yep. no pun, but kind of pun intended, on this. <laughs> and like she has her nails out to here, which are just like Wolverine claws, mm-hmm. you know, like and honest, did you uh I stayed until the end of the credits because that's what that's what we like to do. And you know, you wait for for the post-credit scene usually, because you never know, especially this day and age. And honestly, her song, I thought she wrote it because mm. because i feel like writing rap is a little difficult yeah i can and, imagine yeah and like it felt it just felt so natural for her and i'm i'm not a megan the stallion like yeah same person you know i mean she's great i give her credit for doing it because spitting lyrics is difficult uh but i honestly thought she wrote the song and it turns out she didn't wow and they wrote they wrote it that's incredible. That yeah. is that is wild stuff to me. I think it's really cool that they were just able to like lock down three very recognizable people from incredibly different realms of yes. pop culture for this movie, which I think is is really impressive. Um, well, four technically, if you want to include Bowen. Oh, this is true. Yeah, sorry, four with four with Bowen, which again, like, is a kind of another like little quadrant of pop culture. So I feel like there's a little bit for everybody here. Let's let's go through true cinema. We'll start kind of talking through this movie, what maybe what we remember and and some um thoughts. So the intro song, this is kind of billed as like they're two heterosexual men with very big dicks. Very straight men. Very, very straight. straight. Couldn't be straighter. Um they essentially okay, just sis, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> they essentially just they they go to work and they're the top salesman and they go home and they fuck and then they do it all again the next day. Fuck um, all the women and they have big dicks. Of course. Um, and I think I thought this was a really uh t- like a very tonally smart kind of um peak to start the movie on because it gives us a very good uh, jumping off point to this kind of like oh we we discover we're twins and we eventually discover we are heterosexual. And we eventually discover we're in love with each other, um, which is kind of a descent into you hell and madness. You said, "Oh, sorry, you said heterosexual." Say heterosexual. You mean homosexual. Yeah. Yes, homosexual. They discover they discover <laughs> they're they're very very gay, yes. and they're in love with each other. Which I mean, it's kind of great that they don't look like one another because if they did look, if the two actors did look like brothers, like they were like actual identical twins or something like that, it would have been 10 times creepier yes. at the end. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah. And it's already, it's obviously already pushing a lot of boundaries. I th- I think um, in a very, in a very interesting, smart and, and funny way. Um, so yeah, the, the intro song, and then we get the, the twin song in the office. This is kind of where we're on this next sound stage and they're battling over who is um the the top salesman really which i thought again oh, like, that really okay. funny yeah not not the where where they're like i sold 10,000 more units of brush i thought you meant like the 
oh that might be the next that might yeah. be like a later song the one that nobody understands who i am yeah and i so i think that's the next song which i think actually brings up a very interesting point we're very loaded with music like there is very few scenes in between the musical numbers that are like actual exposition or actual you know like okay we're taking a 15 minute break from musicals like we get hammered with three or four songs in the first 20 minutes uh which, which i really like yes i mean there was so because i believe it was like it's been a couple of days everyone i'm sure. so sorry i forgot <laughs> um i believe it was like when they hatched their plan to jump ahead a little bit yeah. when they when they realize they're twins and they hatched their plan to get their parents back together um and they're going to visit this is the parent trap moment. They're going to visit right. the other parent and convince Try them. Try to convince them. Megan Mullally had a song first, and then we went into Nathan Lane's scene. That's correct. And then he did it. Yeah. So that was very interesting, too, because you had a scene break up a song yeah. in a way. And it turned into a duet. And, like, for two guys that are unknowns, mm -hmm. like, I don't, I've never heard of these people before no like the harmonies that they were they wrote for themselves and like the um the fact that like they had two melody lines going at the same time like they were doing very intricate stuff yeah like they, they swung for the fences with this movie yeah absolutely and absolutely you have to i just have to i just have to applaud them like they did a great job yeah, I totally agree with you. I think I think they did a, a very very good job, like for two unknowns essentially, uh, to to kind of run this movie. I will give credit. You mentioned uh, Megan Mullally's uh, song in there, so I think I it took me a long time, and I'm still a little on the fence, honestly, about like her um, character and her um, like choice to have a lisp as that character. I, I don't care. I, I honestly <laughs> didn't care. Honestly. I love that for you. Whatever. Whatever. When when she's talked about her vagina falling off sure. and everything and that becomes the running gag, I'm just like, yes, yeah. I believe everything you're saying to me right now. I, I, I love that for you. I think that's like the, that is the hard selling point for me of the movie. And I, I like her. I'm not like against her or anything. Um, I just think that was like the hardest connection point I had with the film. But I will say during her moment and her scene she uh she rattles off just an elite joke about uh watching a movie uh from the criterion collection and i was the only person in the theater that laughed but i laughed really fucking hard because i thought patricia? that what, yeah i thought that was so funny patricia her what was it her vase of flowers or whatever her, yeah <laughs> i'm sorry what was i forgot what the movie was that she talked about uh, I, yeah i can't remember the movie uh in particular uh, this needs to come to streaming because i will buy it and i will watch it um, all the time i agree like like um to for another a24 movie that i actually i listened to your episode in preparation for this oh wow um every everything everywhere all at once yeah that movie life-changing i once it went to prime i bought it i didn't care that it was like 20 something dollars i was like fuck this i'm gonna watch it i don't care if it's going to any other streaming for mm -hmm. free, I'm buying this because I want to watch it all the time. And I have that same feeling with Dicks, the musical. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you bring up a really interesting point in the fact that this to me, and I know it's not even, we're recording, it's not even released nationwide yet, which I think is really fascinating. Take my money. I don't care. Yeah, Take it right now. They, 
and you know, A24 obviously has really interesting release strategies with everything they do. This, to me, seems like the kind of movie that might get on that, uh, that like, really quick to streaming treadmill that's like spinning faster and faster every day in mm-hmm. in this world of movies where it's like oh cool it went nationwide on october 20th and on november 21st it's going to be on streaming and it's like oh I, shit cool i feel like we have miss rona to thank for that one <laughs> yes of course because <laughs> when the pandemic hit obviously uptick in streaming services because nobody was going to movies so like now People are still a little trepidatious about going to movies or they got used to watching Mm -hmm. everything, renting for like $5 a movie at home. Yeah. And since since this is a musical, I feel like A24 has a little bit of marketing room to play there and say like, oh, right. Like people might be listening to the album or they might be listening to the Megan Thee Stallion song or like they might want to rewatch this for one scene of Nathan Lane spitting ham in the sewer boy's face. It's like, they like people might want to revisit this for very explicit um things and and i think if they bring it to prime for $25 you know four, four weeks or five weeks after i'm just I don't like care. Yeah, I'll, I'll i'll buy it take it yeah take like, my money take my, take money. my money i would i would love to own this and i'd love to have it and i'd love to experience it in the in the con- in the safe confines of of a um you know a a friendly a substance friendly house um okay next next on the list is um harris this is nathan lane's character feeding the sewer boys this is where we get the introduction to the sewer boys again i i I already said it i just incredible moment in this movie that really made the film click for me where i was just like wow i'm i'm actually really invested in this film and i think it's going very well and i want a shirt with the sewer boys on it a24 put it out oh my god yes i need them on apparel i need them somehow on, on a me. mug, on tote bags. Um, like when they did the hot dog fingers, make the sewer boy plush toy or something. Oh my god. Let's get it. I would buy it. I that. don't know that I I know that there's it's backpack and what's the other one's name? Whispers. Whispers. <laughs> I don't know which one's which. I know no. that they just have different colored eyes and that's it. But like, mm. we'll do it. Yeah. Um, this is the scene that I was just like, Nathan Lane is just questioning everything oh yeah like like i don't know if you've talked to a lot of actors but there's a there comes a time i feel like in everyone's career where you're just like did i really just say yes to this mm-hmm. i did okay and like at least we saw that in the post-credit uh blooper trail uh thing where he's like what you want me to do what now (laughs) what am i doing yeah i think it was great i think he was honestly great for this for this role um next on the list i i put the um there's a song and basically the chorus is um no means yes and i think that it is actually a really smart song for this movie to to play with um this like really uh perverted subtext of, of society and obviously um kind of women and and their rights is like a big kind of um thing about this movie that they play with and make fun of um along with like two men finding out that they are uh, homosexual and um this came across as like the biggest production to me which i um i thought when- was really fun can you? I'm sorry, my I'm I'm blacking some no. things out, some details out. When does this happen? So this what? this is kind of um when they find themselves on a, on a park bench, 
and they basically like they they stand up, they twirl around, yes, and then they start you. a musical. Thank you. I'm rem- I'm remembering now. Right, they kind of take it to the streets, and it becomes this big thing with a lot of people. Where can I don't know if we're we're pro- we're going over time. I'm so sorry. No, every this, where like you talk. go for it. I want to commend them as well because this is the scene that I I really noticed that they just had an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like a lot of other musical movies where they have dancers for specific scenes and it's a different group. They had a true, it was a true like theater piece where you had, this is the cast mm-hmm. and that's it. There's no more. There's maybe like a background, act, like, a, like a couple background extras here and there, but like you watch the office scenes, you watch this one, the, the part, the them walking through the town which it turns out it's Stars Hollow from Gilmore Girls. That oh, when they're in the town square, that is Stars Hollow. Wow. Um, so you have that, and you you see the you just see the same group of people, which made me really appreciate yeah. the musical theater aspect of it. Yeah, and I think it adds. I think it does add a really nice touch to the film, like you mentioned. Like it kind of gives gives it that authenticity of of what a stage production might be. Um, next up, Megan the Stallion, Alpha the Alpha song. Um, I know we already briefly touched on it. If there's anything you want to add, go for it. But like I said, like I will, I will buy this film and I will, I will watch this music video. Um, just uh, I, so I think, many times. <laughs> I think if anything, I'm like you. When they release the YouTube clips, yes, like this is the one I'm going to watch the most, of course, because like she's a bad badass bitch i'm gonna i'm sorry i know that's not no. like a good nice term to call <laughs> that, women, i mean but that's like, what they call her so you're you're in the clear yeah and she's she's so badass and she's so like I, again i i don't listen to a lot of megan the stallion songs but i feel like this is like a good representation of who she is as a performer definitely and i I, I, I just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I'd be really interested to know, and I guess we'll, we'll see it play out as, as awards get closer, if A24 is going to try to um, kind of uh, do any campaigning with, with a best original song here with her or anything like that. Uh, I, I would have loved to see her more in the movie, to be honest. I, I think she did really good with yes. the screen time she was given, uh, even outside of her song. I, I thought she was, had a really good dynamic with, um, kind of owning that office and being that um that that bad bitch like that really exceptional powerful uh person in the film that the main characters Trevor and Craig like were not and so I think that was a really good dynamic with them. I'm ready for Megan Thee Stallion to also blow up as a as an actor. Yes, like, I'm here for it. I I want her in a horror movie. Ooh, I want yes. her in a in another comedy. I want her in like a mystery Ooh. i want her in everything yeah like give it give it to me and it doesn't have to be a 24 properties it could be anything it could be like a disney movie for fucks <laughs> i mean hey she is in she hulk and she makes a great little cameo in she hulk and she does that's I, right i did like that quite a lot honestly and a lot of people were torn on that i was a big fan uh okay just a few more here so the restaurant meetup this is like the big the big parent trap kind of moment where like they get back together um Come to find out that um, Nathan Lane's character is uh, sometimes gay, which I think is a really, again, a really funny ongoing bit of like not identifying um, what 
that is so, you know, obviously like referred to and, and societal standards of like being bi. And so I think like his identification of like, I sometimes fuck guys when I can get them is really funny for his character. And then Megan Mullally's character of not having a pussy, but then both of them just being really horny and not wanting to get back together, I thought was really funny. And then them destroying the, the whole restaurant, restaurant scene <laughs> with, with, so Megan Mullally, we didn't talk about this. Megan Mullally is in a, a wheelchair yes. in a motorized wheelchair. Yes. And so there's a great physical humor where they're basically 69ing in <laughs> the, the wheelchair whilst banging into other people. And there's, and this scene, I think this is one of the few scenes that actually has like background extras. That's not mm. like the ensemble. I don't know. I didn't really clock everyone, but like this is they're banging into tables, spaghetti's being thrown everywhere. You're seeing them 69ing. I hope I don't think it was Nathan Lane and Mullally. I think they were stunt people. Yeah. Cause you know, they who knows? <laughs> I mean, who knows? who knows? I mean, it is it's A24. It seemed a little low budget, but yeah. like not in a not to mean that in a bad way, but in like uh we have to obviously cut some corners we're obviously redressing you know some set pieces Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i would love to know where megan mullally and nathan lane's characters are supposed to be living because those apartments do not exist (laughs) no no not even close uh i i thought uh nathan lane's uh song kind of right before the sewer boys like introduction to me was the funniest song of the entire film i there's something about Nathan Lane, uh, and and he is actually going to be our A one act tonight. Um, that he just like fits with this movie so seamlessly. Next up, um, and I'll kind of like lump these together. So we kind of get like the first, the last ten or fifteen minutes. We get this big conclusion where um, they end up not getting back together. Um, they they kidnap Craig and Trevor and bring them back to their apartment. The sewer boys escape. We go to the sewers and find the sewer boys and send them back to their sewer monster family. This is where we get uh, the CGI pussy from uh, Megan Mullally's character, which just speechless, to be quite honest with you. Um, the I don't fact know. that there's actually, when you, when you watch, okay, when you, <laughs> when you see the bloopers, there's actually something that she's holding. It's a they physical prop. They actually made a prop. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. And that prop, that poor prop person, mm. like, must be in therapy Tough. because of this. Yeah, big time. I, I hope A24 is paying therapy bills, to be honest. Like, that's least they could do in this situation. Uh, so we get we get the CGI pussy um, and this kind of big sewer ordeal. And then we get, I guess, essentially the, the, the big kind of twist, if you will, at the very end where um, the... Trevor and Craig are, are, are kind of they're laying in bed together. They're having some nightmares, uh, very reminiscent of like a stepbrother scene, which I thought was pretty funny. They move in together, right? As well. Yep. So they move in together because they realize they can't really do life apart. Um, you know, obviously, and they're looking at each other, and they just they just start making out, and then they start having sex in all sorts of very comfortable and natural positions, of course. Um, and they. Go. Um, if you thought if you thought the sixty nine ing in the restaurant was wild. <laughs> oh boy. Oh this boy. This sex montage. It's a montage, oh, it everyone. Yes. Of of 
who's on top, who's on bottom. This is like the wow. new who's on first. Yes. Who's on top, who's on bottom. <laughs> is insane. And it goes on for like five minutes. Uncomfortably long. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know about you. I mean, you're straight. Sure. But I was laughing my ass <laughs> off at, at, every, at everything. Granted, I'm also just like, ah, like, like, you know, we're, the whole movie, we find out they're brothers and they're related. And so you're in that. But then also you have to remember that you're in this bizarre world mm-hmm. where there's a where somebody can lose their vagina that can grow eyes off of itself and talk. So, I mean, yeah, it, I guess I guess it's not that far fetched. Um. They end up getting married by God in the end, um, and basically, which is Bo and Yang. By the way, we didn't mention God. God is played. Bo and Yang yes. plays God, and I'm assuming it's not. It's actually God that he's playing. Yes, it's not like a figure because there is that magic costume change that happens, right? Where he goes into this fabulous costume gorgeous oh my god the rhinestoning and everything bitch incredible stuff um marries craig and trevor and busts out into this very fantastical final number of all love is love and uh you know language warning uh god is a faggot and that is like god is a faggot this (laughs) incredible moment for the movie where you're really quite swirled up in like at least for me personally of like, Oh, what? Like I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that like they're twins and they love each other. And like we're in there and they're having sex. Like I'm trying to figure out where I stand on this, like as a movie device. Um, but then I'm also witnessing this really incredible final number that is making me laugh and, uh, has just an incredible, um, Ron Swanson <laughs> cameo, which I thought was insane. Yeah, Nick o- I know Nick that's Offerman, not his name, but yeah, Nick Offerman. Thank you. Um, without a beard, and it's freaking me out. It's like weird. <laughs> that freaks me out more than I think what was actually happening sure. in the scene. Being like, I could see your chin. Gross. Yeah, I don't want that. Sick. Um, I I did want to mention real fast. So, uh, of course, the the big thing about this movie is that they're they're very brave. Um gay men for making a film you know about being heterosexual but 2023 big year for uh for for gay love stories quite honestly on the on the big screen strange way of life uh pedro almodovar which is um i i didn't necessarily connect with but is is representation there we have this movie um and then for anybody that hasn't seen i highly recommend passages um a french film from this year that features ben winshaw having some incredibly explicit, um, very erotic gay sex for like eight minutes long. Um, so will, if you're interested, will, go check it out. I will also like to recommend, an, uh, it was last year's movie, There's Fire Island, yep. starring Bo and Yang, yep. which took me way too long to realize it was gay pride and prejudice. <laughs> sure. But <laughs> it was, there, a, but like it was a great, that movie I felt was like a stronger form of representation from what i've seen because mm-hmm. i've seen a few gay movies and like you know they're gay characters are usually the wacky one mm-hmm. or like they they try to do rom-coms gay rom-coms as straight rom-coms but they're right they always mess it up somehow never click and i feel like i feel like that and bros mm-hmm. the um 
what's his name? Yeah. Billy on the street, Billy Eichner. Billy Billy Eichner. Like those two got it. Yep. They understood it because they were written by queer people. Yeah. So Yeah. Um yeah, I th- I think it's a I think it's great, honestly. I think it's I think it's really funny. Um so I've already revealed my true cinema moment, which is um when Nathan Lane's character spits ham at the sewer boys. Mm-hmm. Um a very close second is Megan the Stallion's uh entire number. I was just it was truly swept up in in that gorgeous display um what john is your true cinema moment of the movie can i say the whole thing of course (laughs) am i allowed to say that yes because like you have great performances all around it's a musical hey yo um with all original music too we Mm -hmm. didn't i want to stress that this is original music they may be parodying things in it but like it's not like like a weird owl kind of parody where they take the song and then they fuck with it a little bit no these are it's all original yeah. everything um but like if i had to actually like i i i, I can't pinpoint a moment but because i i like you liked the ham moment because mm-hmm. it's so bizarre so and bizarre and you're like, what the fuck are Sewer Boys? <laughs> I even said that in the trailer yeah. when they when they're like featuring the Sewer Boys. You're like, what? <laughs> and then like Megan the Stallion is a godsend. Yes. Um. Yeah, I can't. I can't just pick one. I, I'm sorry. I respect that. I think. I think in um 112 episodes of the podcast, you were the first person to ever choose the whole movie. So congratulations. I I will send you, you a a um totally fake award in the mail. So welcome. Oh, John. I love totally fake yeah. awards. Yeah. Thank just, you. Just for you. Um, okay, so our A one act, we're just gonna do Nathan Lane. I was trying to ponder if we could do like um weird creatures in movies because obviously we have the sewer boys. Um, I know there's a lot of interesting Star Wars creatures out there and things. Um, I truth be told, did not have the brain capacity to dig deep for movie creatures. Um, today. So we, we didn't do that. Totally acceptable. If there's a movie creature out there that you think is like weird or you love, like shoot us a tweet or DM us or something, get at us, comment on YouTube. Let me know. Um, but we're going to do, we're going to stick with Nathan Lane. Um, for the reason, uh, also that, that he was in another A24 movie this year as well. So I I think it's worth kind of mentioning, figuring out what we like the best of his. So obviously we have Dick's the musical here. Um, Joe versus the volcano. The Lion King, The Birdcage, uh, Mouse Hunt, Stuart Little, The Man Who Came to Dinner, uh, Teacher's Pet, the animated TV show, uh, The Producers, Swing Vote. I wanted to put this really, really weird uh, credit on his IMDb on here. It says, Discover Blu-ray 3D with Timon and Pumbaa. Um, You got to give a shout out to Nathan Lane for sticking with the Timon voice through the years. He fucking did it, and he probably got a bag make, for it. So good for him. Make that sweet, sweet Disney money. Exactly. I mean, exactly. when they want to give it to you. Exactly. Um, only murders in the building. And like I mentioned, Bo is afraid. Um, I think probably one of... Ben and I were both pretty lukewarm on Bo is afraid, but I think we can both agree that um, feeling... Are, are you you want to go home, Bo, and Nathan's line reading of calling Bo um, brother is like a top 2023 movie moment for both of us. I think it's really elite Nathan Lane stuff. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so I can't. Yeah. I, a, a soft recommend. I mean, there, there are things in there that are very, 
I guess I was intrigued by it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's very unhinged, to be honest with you. Um, Is it? It's a horror movie? Uh, question mark or wants to be a horror movie <laughs> we, we're not sure we're not sure we're still okay. figuring it out um it's interesting for all of these nathan lane options obviously you can choose something that's not on this list if you have something that you like him in um better or or more than any options here what would you choose for your nathan lane a1 act really putting me on the spot here i know it's it's tough um uh, i can vamp for a minute like i mentioned like bo's afraid but i i think to uh, I think this is tough because I, I haven't really seen a lot of like Nathan Ling things. Like I, he's not someone I seek out, right? Like I, he just ends up being in stuff that I watch. So I, I will have to give it to Dix the musical. I, I think he was my favorite part of this movie, to be quite honest with you. Like I think every moment with Nathan Lane worked just wonderfully in this film. See, here's, here's my, here's my reasoning because his character in Dix the musical is a combination mm-hmm. of, Max Bialy stock in the producers and mm, I'm going to name people are going to take my gate card for this. I forget his name <laughs> in the birdcage. Like oh, sure. it is, it is. You know what? I want to give it, I want to give it to the producers because there was also, he also originated the role on Broadway. Mm. So uh, like, obviously. Um, oh my God. I'm so bad with names right now. Oh no! Who, You're putting me on the spot. I'm gonna. I have to try to help you. This is tough for me. His, no, his, you'll know. His who, name was who, who Albert in the Birdcage, by the way. Albert, mm-hmm. yes. Who who wrote it? Who wrote the producers? That's a good question. I can search it as you search your mind. I will search my Brooks, phone. Brooks, Brooks. Mel Brooks. Oh my god, Mel Brooks. Yeah, he wrote the <laughs> original movie. Yeah, Mel Brooks. So Mel Brooks wrote the original movie yep. with Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel. Those those names I fucking remember, goddamn it! <laughs> and then he had a hand in writing the stage version where Nathan Lane and uh, Mr. Sarah Jessica Parker uh, starred in it together, mm. and that was the whole like idea that they did the movie as well. And so, I think, I, I mean, I think I I'm gonna pick the producers because it's it it's such it's also like a weird movie if you if you haven't seen it ethan i'm gonna suggest you watch it okay um please forgive uma thurman okay i i have i can do that i can i can do my my hardest um i know that she made some interesting decisions for a while (laughs) and just remember this is a mel this is off a mel brooks movie from the 70s sure okay i'm ready (laughs) i'm prepared i'm mentally prepared now uh Uh okay so a24 ranking for this movie um, it's just kind of our in-house like ranking, um, you know, similar to a one to five stars, if you will. Um, we're going to go a through F 24. Um, where would you rank it? And you can, you can do an a plus, you can do an a minus, you can, you read my mind. I stuff. was going to, I want to <laughs> give it an a plus 24 or a 24 plus. I don't know where the plus line is being sure. added. Yeah. We it, don't either. So it's okay. <laughs> a two plus four. Like I, I, I it doesn't matter. Like, like this movie. Woo. Yeah. I love that. I'm super stoked for you. Um, a plus 24. Yeah, that's, okay. That's awesome. A plus 24. Yes. I love that. Uh, that's really awesome. I, I think there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of this movie to like, obviously some of it didn't land with me. Um, and I think part of that is due to like my viewing experience. Again, like I, I would recommend trying to go see it with a group of friends or, or with a, a full theater, maybe on opening night, um, or whatever the case may be have a couple of beers, have a couple of glasses of wine. 
Um, I mean, I th- I think like seeing it sober once is great. Smoke a lot. Smoke a lot. Smoke every everything in sight. Exactly. I I, I think <laughs> um you know there there are movies that are just 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 perform better when when you are are kind of in that in that headspace. So I think this can be one of those. I think based on my experience and what I did like, um, I would, gosh, this is tough. I would probably give it like a B minus 24. I think, I think, I know, I'm really sorry. I think there's a, again, a, like a lot to respect Ethan, you're here. you're bumming me out. You're bumming me out, man. I know. You're me out. But like, it's, it's just so difficult for me to, to take this. I understand, but at least, but also you're willing to give it a second viewing. Of course. Oh, yes. So, I will be viewing this again. Yes. So maybe, maybe like what you said, it, depends on the variables how you're feeling that day Mm -hmm. um obviously we watched we watched this like a couple days ago so we're not remembering a lot of it but like it's still there because we watched it um yeah okay you're you're bumming me out (laughs) with your b minus but like approved by this is your podcast i don't know (laughs) thank god i I think it's just really hard for me um to to stack it up against certain A24 projects that I that I really deem as like an A or an A plus 24. Um I do think okay. I do think it's a really big watershed moment for the brand to be honest with you. Like I think it's a big moment for the company of A24 to be like this is our first musical. Like let's let's see how it goes. We're going to go off the wall with this and just really kind of shoot for the stars and I, I really genuinely think most of it lands really, really well. Uh, and this is, this is the cast to do it with. And this is the content to do it with under the A24 umbrella. I'm looking forward to A24 doing another musical that is like serious, you yeah, know, like, yeah, like, yeah. like I could, I could see them do. Cause the, um, a lot of A24 movies I find are very serious. Yeah. I mean, yes. Like there's something to be said about the Daniels where they play with humor and everything. But like when you really like look at the metaphor and like take a step back and look at Swiss Army Man and everything everywhere all at once, like it's a very serious story. Yeah. This one was just goofy and like mm-hmm. wild and wacky. And so that's great. But like, I don't know. I could see them doing like Pride and Prejudice, the musical, mm. which I know is there are stage versions of Pride and Prejudice, the musical. So like, I, I don't mean that, but like, yeah, you know what I mean? In that something vein. Along... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I hope that this is not A24's last musical. I hope that it performs well at the box office. Um, and I, I hope that it does kind of find its footing in the culture and find its cult following pretty quickly. I, I think it will. I don't think it'll have a tough time with that. Um, John. So what, what would the cult name be though? Are we the dickheads? Oh, God, see, this is a tough question. I think there's no other way to go. You have to be the dickheads. I'm a I'm a dickhead. <laughs> I, we're both dickheads, man. We we both we can heads. both we can own it. We can both own it. Um, John. No, wait. Question. Yeah. Question for you before we go. I know it's at the very end. I'm asking this, but like, dicks the musical. Yeah. Is it because they're dicks or because they talk about their dicks? I think. Yeah. Or is it a co- column A, column B thing? I think it's a little bit of both. I I think it's a really. I think truthfully, I think it's a really smart play on again, like that big tonal starter of like we have massive dicks and we just fuck big titted girls all the time, and then they find out like they're actually gay. So I think that like dicks the musical 
it's an incredible it's an incredibly grabbing name of course like the uh-huh. the puns are 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 endless essentially so i think that a lot of thought went into that and i think it i think it really does play with that um initial public perception without having seen the movie and at least it's dicks the musical it's not just called dicks right. of course because i feel like it would have been a harder sell if it was just called if there wasn't the, the musical. musical yeah very difficult sell in my opinion so i, I think uh very smart title uh john thanks for coming on the show this was awesome this was a blast i'm glad that we've both discovered that that we're dickheads um i feel confident You're and so, dickheads, so yes. happy about that um if people want to find more of you where where can they find you at oh so i have a i have a, I have a little podcast of my own um it's called life's but a song as you said at the beginning um you can find me anywhere uh at but a song pod it's where we talk about movie musicals or musical tv shows or sometimes film stage productions um i also have another podcast called movie deja vu we are on hiatus for a bit we're still figuring out because life um it's my my co-host shady and i we compare similar movies by creating a verbal venn diagram uh and you can listen to that anywhere you're listening to this and whatever <laughs> uh Instagram and Facebook are at movie deja vu pod and Twitter is at movie deja vu. Okay. Awesome. I'm still calling it Twitter. I'm sorry, oh, everyone. Everyone will call it Twitter until the day we die. So don't uh don't yes. worry about that. Awesome. Uh yeah, seriously, thanks for being on this pod. That that was uh incredible time. Highly recommend you go check out uh Dick's the musical uh nationwide October 20th. Uh be sure to go go check that out. Next week on the pod, we are back to spooky season. We are uh, Ben is going to be back with uh, with me as well. We are covering the movie In Fabric, um, a new movie for Ben and I. And then the week after that, um, we've got another collaborative draft coming, and things are going to get really out of control. We'll talk more about it next week and allude to it a little bit more. Um, if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, you would already know what's coming. So um, go go check that out and see our calendar. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be really fun. What are your thoughts on Dick the Musical? Uh, Dick's the Musical. Let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We're at 24 Minutes of 824. We're also on uh, on TikTok uh, and YouTube. You can watch our uh, podcast on YouTube if you prefer a video format. Um, you can watch uh, John and I totally laugh at pretty much every scene that we talk about uh, uh, throughout I mean... the episode. So, yeah, pretty good. Um, you can also become a patron of the show. Join us on Patreon and support the podcast. Uh, we are covering David Fincher movies right now. We're getting ready for The Killer here in about five weeks. So we uh. are trying to talk about some of the greatest movies of all time in 24 minutes or less. And if we don't do it, we have to take a spoonful of hot sauce on the next episode and uh, things get out of control really, really quickly. And it's really, really Why funny. do you hate yourselves? Uh, exactly what we ask ourselves every <laughs> single week when we <laughs> record that Patreon. And every... It may as well be this spoonful of cinnamon. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. <laughs> and a, a little incentive as well. If you haven't checked out the Patreon yet um, and you're interested, every time we get a new patron, we also have to take um, a, a spoonful of hot sauce. So if you're thinking about it and you like to see us <laughs> um, absolutely just do crazy things to ourselves... Please become a patron. We won't be mad. We'll love you, uh, but we'll also be very, very mad. So, yeah. Do I? You should do. Do it. I have five dollars to spare? You should do, do it. Have... Oh, you, yeah. You do it, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so go check us out over there to talk about non A twenty four movies. 
Um, this was awesome. John, thanks again. Super, super fun. Uh, until next week, I'm Ethan Simmy. Spring break forever, bitches. Bye.